Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. This is going to be episode 24, I believe, of the Finding Backcountry podcast, and we'll just jump right into it, Mark. Um, so just honest to goodness, like I don't, I'd never, I've never talked to you or not. We don't, we're not like lifetime friends or anything like that other than social media. I've been following you on there, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't take long to, to really know when someone's, you know, into something, especially like pack animals, um, you know, and, and you're correct me if I'm wrong, but you're definitely into uh, pack goats. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're just, uh, they've, they've swept me up. And then at the same time, there was such a lack of resources when I started that, you know, I knew that it seemed like it was becoming a, a trend in the market and that, you know, people just needed help. And the, the main reason I did that, I mean, honestly, I would have been quiet about it. I would have been, I wouldn't have told anyone because I, it's, you know, it's kind of my secret weapon, to be honest. They're just, they're <laughs> awesome. And, uh, but at the same time, um, goats having access to the backcountry is under threat and the, you know, the more the merrier. So my, my thing was to kind of come out of the closet, provide good resources because we need educated people with goats in the backcountry that knew how to take care of them and weren't losing goats and weren't creating more problems for, for, you know, packers. And then secondarily, invite people in so that we had strength in numbers behind us, especially hunter numbers, because the single largest threat to goat packing is the Wild Sheep Foundation. Um, and luckily, we've figured out some real equal ground and have some coordination now. Um, so I, I say that I say that a bit loosely because now it seems like we're coming together, that they're willing to compromise, and so are we, um, despite the fact that science is still on our side and not theirs. But, you know, compromise is still necessary, and we've moved and they moved, and I think we've found some, you know, some tenable, you know, resolutions where everybody feels a little more comfortable. Perfect. Um, and that's, that's great. And I want to get into all that. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about with the sheep and the disease and all that. Um, real quick though, give, um, you know, give everyone the, the two minute cliche, uh, podcast intro of kind of where, where you're located in, and, and even for myself, um, cause I'm not super familiar where you're located and then just like, you know, maybe how you got into hunting or, or maybe how you got into pack goats. You're clearly into hunting and, you know, everyone has their own story, but just give that little, you know, two to four minute rundown. Sure. So I'm out of Boise, Idaho. Um, you know, one of the blessings of being from Idaho is 76% of our state is public land. So if you're not prepared to walk or to cover country that's off road, you're only going to see about half our state. Um, so been backpacking in the back country, been hunting in the back country, 
always felt like I was limited in where I could go because I didn't have stock. And uh, I've, I've packed in on horses a lot being in being both outfitted and friends and, you know, just been around that world. And to be honest with you, I'm just not a fan of horses. Um, so, you know, I just, uh, I'm not, I don't like uh, thinking that just around every corner is me squashed into a pile of goo by a horse. Right. And so that and chasing them back to the trailhead and everything else. So, so for me, looking into to, to goats was a function of where I live, how I like to hunt. And, um, you know, I'm also a um, partner at Outdoors International. We're an international hunt consulting firm. That's really what pays the bills. And, uh, you know, I'm the guy you call to book a hunt anywhere in the world, whether it's, you know, Africa or whatever. So I've spent about 30 years bow hunting the world as well. And uh, I super enjoy that part, too. But there's nothing like being in the backcountry and my own home state. And, and during the summer, I like to pack in and, and I do about 500 trail miles a year with me and my family. And between that and hunting, it's just it's an all in deal. It's every single weekend we can be in there. And now I'm even expanding into a lot of winter packing. Um, it was just a matter of the right equipment. Nice. And this is a side note that just came into my mind, but do you, is there a market for like a back, you know, a backpack, uh, pack animals outside of the U S really? I mean, do you see that a lot or is it pretty, um, pretty yeah. centralized to the States? Well, we're definitely, it, it, the, the problem is, is there's just not that much remote country in other places in the world. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember public, public land ownership is an anomaly globally, right? <laughs> we don't know how good you know, we have just, it. Right. I mean, Canada is a place that has a fair amount of it. Um, and there are, you know, Russia has a decent amount of it as well. But even that, even when there is public land, it's fraught with, you know, funkiness and bribery and discontent and, and or danger or whatever. So we're one of the, you know, I mean, if you think about it, we literally have places in the lower 48, uh, honestly, mostly in Idaho, where you can go 100 miles on a trail without crossing a road. It's crazy, you know, I know it's just, it's awesome. You know, what a, what a killer resource. So, so globally, uh, I actually just sent a pair of goat packs to Hong Kong. Uh, I've had them ordered in Switzerland. I've had them ordered in, uh, Europe. Um, you got to remember goats feed the world, not cows. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so there's more goat milk and, and goat meat eaten than cattle, but it's primarily because they can make a living on soil and, and forage that other critters can't cattle are cattle are pretty just monocentric and need graze and goats are, you know, browsers. So it makes them easier to, they can make a living on ground that a cow can't. Right. You know, and another interesting fact on that, just goats in the U S and stuff. Um, you know, and I, so my, my background on this, I, uh, I actually when you know, and, and we're my, you know, we're pretty heavy into the pack llamas. Um, mm. but the way that we got into that originally, um, I actually started down the pack goat, road and mm. same same thing um grew up around horses you know our, our whole lives my brother and i and just you know not, not that we had bad experiences but just the amount of maintenance and you mm -hmm. know the the feed and the cost and everything for horses and the way that we liked to hunt it just didn't quite add up and so anyway got looking into the pack goats actually bought a couple of um, alpine females that we were going to start a little herd with in the meantime kind of did more research and decided that llamas were a better fit for us, which is, you know, I, I think this is going to be a great conversation because 
um, you know, we can kind of play off off of those two things, and then and then it sounds mm-hmm. like we both understand horse as well. But um, anyway, <clears throat> um, yeah, going back to the the goat meat, even in the United States, um, I was I was uh, kind of blown away to to find out that like, and and again, this has been five or six or seven years ago, but like almost fifty percent of the goat meat that's consumed inside of the United States is is imported, meaning there just wasn't. There just isn't goats, you know, even in the United States, we're eating uh, goat meat and, and we don't have enough of it in the United States. Right. And we're shipping it in from somewhere. And I, I didn't get that far into it, but anyway, just kind of interesting, you know, I don't know that, you know, everyone sees goats on the internet and they, and they see these, you know, cute floppy eared, um, you know, things that they want to have little miniature, uh, pets. And, and like you said, outside of the United States and even inside the United States, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's dinner, you know, and that's. It is, it's yeah. Well, not not only that, they, they they literally I speak about them almost as like an anointed critter. If you actually do the history, it's 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 been a companion and a, a stock animal for us almost longer than any other animal on the planet. Okay. So we have almost a a genetic affiliation where they know us, we know them because we've been working together for so long as two species. And so things like goat milk, I mean, goat milk is the healthiest thing on planet Earth, literally. It's one of the only things that a human being can sustain itself long term off of as a sole food source. Yeah, you can just when, drink goat milk for years yep. and be healthy. You know, and even I, and, and you I'm I'm preaching to the choir here, but like even, um, you know, when mothers for some reason can't um, produce milk for a baby or maybe the mom's not in the picture, goat milk is the number one preferred uh milk besides of of, you know a human mother's milk because it's so rich in nutrients Um, right yeah it's a perfect balance between fat and protein and then it also it's so alive um, because they are browsers it's so alive with all the different components in fact if you study the blue zones um, on the planet, you know, there's a book out there, I think it's called Blue Zones, but it's where P- the centurions are, where the people who commonly live over 100 years old, mm-hmm. the single most unanimous common characteristic among those areas is they drink goat milk. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, so it's just super good for you, and they're a cool critter is what it comes down to, and as far as the stock animal... They're awesome. It's definitely like anything else. I mean, you know how it is with llamas. I mean, you've had to kind of become a llama nerd. Well, you got to become a goat nerd too, right? Yep. Um, you know, and with goats, I just, they don't have as much forgiveness to not be good, right? With a, with a mule who's kind of out of shape and kind of lazy and that sort of thing, he walks, he walks about your pace if he's lazy and he'll still carry a ton of weight even if he's out of shape. But with a goat, if he's out of shape and he's lazy, he's going to lay down on the trail. And you may as well, you know, walk away from him. I mean, I don't suggest anybody walks away, but you got to buy super good goats. They need to be super fit. You got to have a bunch of them to do what we do. They have a short lifespan, so their packer life is a consideration in the equation. There's lots of different things. The main advantage is just, you know, natural browse because they're going to eat eat whatever they're going to eat when, you know, along with you in the woods. I never I never have to pack feed in. They drink water. They're very closely related to a camel, so they can literally go days and days and days. In fact, they'll go endless if their forage is wet enough without having to drink. And then at the uh, at the other end, is they are the only stock animal that literally can go alongside you clear into mountain goat country carrying your stuff right so they're the the only ones that'll go to the top of the mountain 
Right. And that's perfect. You just kind of touched on where I wanted to start, which is just kind of the advantages and disadvantages. Is there anything else, kind of the the brief overview, and then we'll, we'll kind of go through all those bullet points and specifically touch on them, but any any other advantages right off or disadvantages? Yeah, yeah, so they don't need to be led, right? So that's a nice thing to not have to worry about holding on to a lead. The other thing is is that you, you got something that when it gets scared, it runs to you, not <laughs> yes. away from you, yeah. right? So as soon as that big clap of thunder goes or a dog barks, everybody goes at full alert and I got like a little beehive around me. Everybody, everybody comes and stands next to me, right? You know, what's that, Dad? Yeah. Um, so that's that's a pretty handy thing when you consider nine miles of the trailhead and you watch your horses as the dust goes down the trail, right? <laughs> uh, the the other thing about goats that makes them really cool is they what a lot of people have no concept of is they are like a golden retriever with horns. So I have I have some goats that I I mean when I'm working in the pasture I almost have to tie them up because I'm sitting there with a nail gun on my hand nailing and building a new whatever and I got a goat three inches from my face breathing in me right you know I just they are they are loving to a fault and so they if they if you would let them they would sleep in the tent with you um, they're just a great companion they're like a honestly I think they're better to have along on the trail than dog just just in terms of a companion so now you have a companion you have something you don't have to worry about with food you don't have to worry about with water they're super agile they don't freak out that's the other thing too you know i've been around llamas and horses and all that stuff when those guys get in trouble about 80 percent of them will absolutely beat themselves to death because they'll freak out right a goat will think it's way out of trouble. They don't have that same freak out button. They they get balled up in something. They're gonna they're gonna slow down. They're gonna lay there. They're gonna think about it. They're gonna get themselves out of that problem. You know that's that's kind of one of the other things that I really love about them as far as advantages. Um, I'm sure others will come to me. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say, touch on that. That's that's what I've seen similar to llamas too. Um, that I think mm. sets them apart from horses and mules. Um, and specifically with llamas, um, when you're staking them out, you know, we'll have them on a, you know, a 12 or 20 foot stake lead, um, just for the day or the night or whatever, while we're, while we're, um, out hunting, which is probably a little bit different than goats, but, um, Mm -hmm. they, they have that think them themselves out of a problem characteristic. Um, I've Mm -hmm. yet to see a llama get caught up in a, in a staked out rope. Um, even for days on end, as long as I don't put them in a spot where there's, you know, a big stump or a big, you know, sagebrush or something like that, as long as it's just grass where they can move that rope around. And, and yet, and even when they do that rope will get caught around their, their front leg, for example, and you'll see them, they back up and it hits that tension and they realize that their legs caught. And, and right there, I think what you're referring to is like a horse or a mule. It's natural instinct is just to come unglued. And, and right. keep, keep pulling against that and fight it. Um, those llamas, I've seen it a dozen, dozens of times where they, they hit that tension and they stop. And right. then they, they actually yeah. go back into it and they loosen that up until they can step out of it. I've seen it. Um, so that's, that's uh, you know, another big advantage of goats and llamas, uh, it sounds like. Well, yeah. And, and too, with llamas, I mean, and again, I've been around them a decent amount, not a ton. So I'm still a bit naive there. I'm still that outsider outsider looking in rather than an insider that's lived it but one of the one of the things i've always been envious of is this just the load capacity of llamas and the lifespan the packer life right 
Um, th those are two huge advantages, and, and those need to be listed as a disadvantage on goats. So right? what, I mean, what are we talking for a carry weight on a goat? Well, you got to remember, so I get all my goats out of Dwight Sharp out of Kansas. There's really only one true hardcore pack goat only breeder in the country. There's there's little operations here and there, um, but they nowhere near have the access to the genetics and everything else. I mean, his goats are averaging 200 plus and he's got goats as big as three, 300 pounds. So, I mean, that's a goat that can carry a hundred pound load. Try to equivalent um, that to like a horse if you even can. I mean, what, what does an average horse weigh? Maybe a thousand pounds, you know, a good sized mm -hmm. horse might push 1200 mm -hmm. pounds or so. Um, right. A, a 300 pound pack goat is like a monster. Um, yeah, and that's forty-two inches at the weathers, whew. which means that hits a that hits a a six-foot guy at the just below, above his belly button, about about at his you know low rib cage. Yep. and that so right, that's, that's in, his shoulder. And in reference to our llamas, just to give you perspective, um, our two yearling uh, creas or two two uh, males um, that are just about one year old right now, they both just hit about forty-two inches at the withers. And so right. that's, that's crazy. Um, but even, even mm -hmm. a, even a 200 pound goat I know is kind of the, that's kind of the, the, uh, threshold of, okay, that's what I'm looking for in a pack goat. Is that right? Well, yeah, I believe there's some diminishing return as they get, as they get too big. Um, because now they, you know, I describe building your pack goat string, like building a football team. You need running backs, you need receivers, you need a quarterback <laughs> and you need some linemen. Right. And so if you're if you're going to take goading serious like I do, I have 12 goats in the pasture. Some are growing up. Some are getting old. Some are in the middle. Some are my trail goats. Some are my guys that I haul through the deadfall. Everybody's kind of a specialist. I don't try to buy a, a catch all. If I did buy a catch all, it would be about a 210 to 240 pound goat. It's an alpine crossed with something else that's super leggy, super agile, has a tendency to be on the thin side because they're going to carry weight more efficiently, and that's my preference. That's that's my middle goat. Perfect. But I like those big, giant, crazy sabers every now and then if I'm taking a group in on a trail and I don't want to have many goats. It's nice to have one that can snore with an 80-pound load versus another goat that snores with a 40-pound load. Right? I mean, that's, that's one less goat. Uh, and one less goats, one less goat to take care of when you're out there. And some goats get along better than others. Some are some are easy. Some are kind of constantly, in, you know, doing little things here and there. Everybody's got their different personalities. But yeah, so so people commonly ask me, well, how much will they carry? Well, it's purely a percentage of their body weight, genetics, and and you know their 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 conditioning. Right. Because I can get goats up in that 30 percent of their body weight range, 30 to 35. I think 35 is pretty hard on them. There's a lot of people out there that say a goat will carry 35 and they can, but it's hard on them. You're going to beat them up over their their life yeah. and you're going to break down their pasture. And, that's like that's probably that like you carrying 100 plus pounds consistently. You know, yeah, you could, but yeah. it's going to kill you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Eventually my joints are going to break down. I'm going to not be able to do it as long. So I try to carry most of my goats, honestly, most of the time at 20 to 25%. But when I need to throw 30 to 35 on, I can, um, I just, I, I certainly don't do it regularly. Okay. And then talk, you, you mentioned that they're similar to a dog or a golden retriever or whatever. And I, I, I kind of know how that works, but talk about 
what it takes um, to get a goat that's kind of imprinted like that where they're following you? You know, is it just pick up any goat on, you know, ksl.com or are there certain, uh, you know, uh, steps that need to be taken to get a goat that, that follows you around? Okay. Yeah. So, so, and then we should also be speaking about babies versus adults, right? right? So Packer lifespan, there's, there's debate in this. Now just know putting a pack goat, putting a pack on a goat happened for the first time that we're aware of in the United States in 1974. So very recently. Super recent. I mean, all, all the gear. This is a very unevolved sport at this point. So anyway, there's there's this is a new sport. It was 1972 or four that John Mayansinski taught a cut a shovel handle in four pieces and stuck two two by fours to a goat and then started packing in his stuff to study wild sheep. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what he was doing was using goats to, to pack in his gear to study wild sheep in the Wind Rivers. Right. So uh, because of that, it's such a new sport. But goats fully grow are, are full grown at four to five years old. And so what what the calm and what my experience has shown and what other people I trust have shown is that it's safe to put five to 10 percent of their body weight on as a two year old, about 10 to 15 percent on as a three year old. And then you can fully load them at four. Right. Yeah. So once they're fully loaded at four, now remember, a goat lives a dog's life, so they're really going to die somewhere in that 12 to 14 pound range, and what's going to kill them is their teeth, just like any other herbivore. They, they wear their teeth down. They can't process food anymore. They can eat all the groceries they want, but they're not processing it right, and they're going to weather away and die. Okay? Yeah. So, so now you have an animal that's already slowing down, most likely at eight, nine, ten years old-ish matters you know again their packer life and all that kind of stuff so you have a pretty short packer life you need them coming in you need them going out and you need them in their prime if you're going to have a good string you need you need a, a mechanism to kind of cycle goats through your system so getting babies is bar none no questions asked the way to go but everybody's impatient to start and so people go into adults you can do that. You can you can stock Craig Craigslist. You can stock all the goat forms. You can try to pick up other people's stuff that they're selling or they're getting out of goats. They thought they liked it, then they didn't. Mm-hmm. Almost all the time, what you're buying is somebody else's broken order. Yeah. Right? You know, they're you're almost and, always that. Yeah, and that's right. so that's so true. Just one, you know, my family we've you know buying and selling the horses and the llamas, and and here's the here's the harsh truth. It's like. Unless someone that we found, unless someone is just selling their herd, um, you know, mm-hmm. because they're getting out of it, or or you're paying a very very high price, you're very rarely, if ever, getting, you know, regardless of what they say, you're very rarely getting the best of someone's stock or herd. They just right. think think about it. If you had a herd of twelve pack goats and you needed to whittle some down, you're gonna sell your worst goat first or your best goat it just is the reality of the of the world and so you just buyer beware on that type of stuff totally totally so i always i always tell people like this i've lost track now in four years to try to start from an adult herd and grow it up and spread out my ages right and cull them and, and do everything that i've done i've bought about 26 goats to have six that i like 
right? And I'm still excited about the babies I'm raising because those guys are going to be my true rock stars. They grew up with me. They grew up on the trail. They grew up trained like I wanted them trained. I genetically was able to pick out exactly what I want. The difference is profound. So how to answer the question about babies is that you need a bottle-fed baby from Dwight Sharp, right? He's just, he's got the best goats out there. They're 450 bucks, so they're more expensive than everybody else. And believe me, after four years, when you raise a crap goat and he's still a crap goat at four years old, he costs you so much more than the savings that you made that I don't know what to tell you. So, start, so start do whatever with, you need. Start with the best that you can get and afford and, yep. Yep. No, no question. So, and then as far as adults go, it's an absolute crap shoot. I, you, you could get lucky and run into some good ones that'll limp you along till your babies grow up. You should be trying to attack both at the same time. If that's the way you want to go. Now, when um, you real quick, when you say bottle fed and I completely understand kind of the process, but for, for someone out there who says, I'm going to get pack goats, you know, I'm going to get them, pick them up from someone. Um, you're pulling them off the mom within that first week um, of being born. Um, which, you know, as in a side note to that, if you're going to keep the female or you own the female and you're breeding your own, you need to understand the implications of that, that you've got a mother now filling up with milk that you either have to milk out and then turn around and feed to the goats or milk out and, and do something with, um, but, mm-hmm. but talk about kind of the process and how many, you know, hours and days and weeks and multiple feedings and all that kind of stuff that someone could expect if they want to bottle feed their own goat. Okay. Yeah. So if you buy somebody else's like, you know, I mean, they kick, they kick these goats off these dairy goats after three days, generally, right? right? They'll try to get them their colostrum and then they'll kick them down the road. And you'll then feed that baby four times a day for the first month, three times a day for the second month, two times a day for the third month, and one time a day for the fourth. That's kind of the general schedule. The best way is to be feeding them goat milk, right? Um, They will do good on that they will and they'll start eating probably or they, they start eating you know towards the tail end of the second month you know piddle farting here and there and it just accelerates and eventually you start weaning them off and they get their nutrition out of their their hay grass combo and and some some grain you cannot feed a weather uh, a, a castrated male goat grain after a year old or he'll get urinary calculi it'll pro- plug up his bladder and he'll die like poor horrible painful death um so so bottle feeding is really important because that's what gets them you you become a goat to them you become what i like to call a benevolent alpha so you are the alpha but there's there's a saying in goat world that no goats have goat friends because they just don't they have companions but that same companion will kick the other one for a chew of hay in a second Right. right and there is only one goat that isn't getting his butt kicked every day in the pasture and that's the alpha right so i am the alpha even over him and when i come in the pasture i dole out love so that's what makes me special that's where the affinity is for me i am a goat but i'm a benevolent alpha that actually doles out love and so it's in goat world it's really an amazing thing i mean now every human being to a bonded bottle-fed baby goat comes into the goat world as soon as i pass hikers on the trail my goats don't know who to follow because all of a sudden it doesn't make sense in goat world for two goats to go in a different direction it just doesn't happen you come across a couple of goats they're going to meld in with your herd and they're going to keep walking with you when they keep walking the other way it's extremely confusing especially for the new goats that don't even know who they follow so you know stuff like that it's uh so yes you need to you need bottle fed babies the uh, opposed for those that don't know is called dam raised and when 
when you have a dam raised baby i actually do dam raised babies with my goats but i have hands on them every day while they're being raised consistent my kids are playing with them we're literally sitting watching movies with them on our laps they are as humanized as they get but they're getting the nutrition of their dam which is unduplicatable by a bottle so we kind of play the middle ground but i would never buy somebody else's dam raised babies because nobody's going to spend the kind of time i do with them right right okay um deciding where we want to go here talk real quick um maybe i don't know if someone's got the pasture kind of acres per goat type of a thing or goats per acre maybe would be a better calculation Mm -hmm. of you know what someone could expect for keeping um and then and then maybe touch on you know expectations of feed costs per year if you don't have the pasture and what type of room they need and all that kind of stuff um so so I figure on a flake a day per adult weather is kind of what it is. I'm feeding I'm feeding 12 goats about 4 tons of hay a year. And when you say Something a flake, like a flake to you is probably going to be what 3 to 4 inches thick of alfalfa. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. And it's alfalfa. I I personally, and again, there's a lot, you got to remember that keeping an adult male goat alive past 12 months has not been done except for by goat packers. Right. We're the only ones that and people who are just keeping around pets by 12 years, 12 years. You mean beyond, beyond a year old, the only people keeping a goat alive, a male weathered goat alive beyond a year old, is a goat pack. I see. Because you're, you're not everything else gets butchered. Yep. Okay. Right. I'm with you. Right. So even the vet industry doesn't even know how to take care of a male goat over a year old. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. They have they have no clue. Um, so it's it's very prolific among our community that we self-diagnose, we become our own vets, we share information, we're doing all the shots, we're making the nutrition decisions. And so you kind of have a lot of um, armchair quarterbacks in the goat packing world. There are a few who know their nutrition super well. I am not one of them. I know it okay, and I trust the people who know more than me, and I feed alfalfa grass hay mix. And um, that's it, right? A big right. brome hay, like an orchard grass and a little bit of alfalfa because um, I work the crap out of them. Uh, they need the extra protein or they lose weight. So what, what would, um, what would happen, uh, you know, if you were just feeding a straight alfalfa to a goat that's not being worked? Just it's There's a couple implications of it because it's such hot feed and it's so high in protein. If they're not actually using and processing that, it comes out in other ways like through their urine. So they'll get a thing called urine scald where they actually their urine becomes highly acidic, which is actually a really good thing for eliminating stones, which is the number two killer of pack goats. Urinary calculi, the stones that fill up in their bladder block their ability to pee. They fill up and they die. It's a really nasty way to do it. But when you feed too much alfalfa, and they're not processing all that protein it makes their urine so acidic that it burns the skin around the base of it and then it can turn into a nasty infection and blah 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 so you know i always say if you're not working your goat hard we'll feed orchard grass feed a wide bladed brome grass they like wide bladed grasses they do not like stems and so anything that's really stemmy ends up just being waste that they'll sort through they like they like 
blades, right? So, um, um, I forgot where your question was. There. Oh, like, like maybe again. say, say you've got a, you know, you have a, you live on an acre, a pasture, oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Let, you know, how, how many goats for maybe a six month period could you sustain on an acre pasture? Maybe, I don't know. Well, so you, you got to remember goats are gra are browsers. They're not grazers. Right. So they're almost never, except for in the spring, going to eat your pasture. Right now, if you have bushes and weeds, they'll eat them down to a bare nub. Yeah. So you need you need a lot of ground to naturally graze a goat. He is one of the smartest browsers on planet Earth. They will not only pick a particular plant when it's ripe to them, but also when it's at its highest nutritional content. And they're actually going to solve their own problems with minerals and they are an incredibly, incredibly smart browser. Um, but when they're forced to try to get all their nutrition out of a smaller, you know, these are nomadic animals. When they can't cruise and eat and pick a little of this and a little of that and the top off of this and the lower leaves on this and that one is it's just sprouting and this one as it's drying, you know, if they can't do that, they need huge acreage. So you just need to plan on how are you going to feed them? How are you going to make sure their poop and pee doesn't end up being really stinky and are they all going to have a place to sleep? I have yeah. 12 goats on less than a half acre. Right, right. So yeah, cra craziest thing, craziest thing ever. We would have them out at the out at our little ranch, and we don't have a ton of acres, but we've got quite a few in a pasture. And they will step over a green blade of grass to eat pine tree needles, almost every time, or mm -hmm. or cedar tree, uh, you know, leafy uh, cedar tree branches or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. Really, quite mm -hmm. fascinating to sit and watch them pick and choose what they do and don't eat and they're just so much different than you know cattle or horses it's cool it's it's very cool and i tell people all the time one of my favorite things to do is to go with them as they're grazing when we're in the back country because it's they have such different ways they harvest certain things. They do the old grab the whole stem and zip all the leaves off of it thing like <laughs> a corn cob. And then they have a way where they, they pick certain ones and how they tear grass. And it's just it's really interesting to see how the style of the way they actually eat, eat their stuff too. It sounds silly, but I, I just it's 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 interesting. You're right. But yeah, so I, I, I tell people that it's mainly about making sure you gotta remember goats goats don't don't like to really coexist with one another they need each other they're herd animals but it's like you're standing too close to me i'm gonna i'm gonna hammer you yeah. so so if you don't have enough barn space or enough individuated you know sleeping areas the best way to house goats is to do about three quarters of the number of goats you have in little boxes that they can sleep in right. with big wide openings so that when somebody else bigger wants in that one they're not going to pin it to the wall and hurt it yeah. right <laughs> so so they did that's what i have i have about eight boxes that my 12 goats sleep in some of them will sleep together and coexist well uh, others will always sleep alone and chase out whoever's in there right uh, speaking of beating the crap out of each other, talk about the horns. I noticed that I think all of your goats still have their horns intact. Mm -hmm. That's always a question I would get. Do you dehorn them or do you keep the horns on? Why do you choose to keep the horns on them? Yeah, honestly, I keep the horns on mostly for ego. What I mean by that is that I think they look awesome with them. <laughs> Right. I think they I think they look like they're missing something without them. 
And so it's mostly aesthetics to me. And if you look at my string as well, I do actually select goats that I think are beautiful um, because I, I like a good looking string too. So I select some of my breed combinations based on how pretty they are. Um, in terms of actual function, if I was going purely for function, I actually would go with hornless just simply because they have a tendency to beat each other up and other things less because they're always, they're always rubbing on their barns and rubbing on trees and, you know, and they're, they're, they're fairly destructive with their horns themselves. The other thing is when I have little kids around and stuff like that, I mean, nobody's going to hurt anybody, but you know, you get up next to some of my goats that have like, I'm not kidding, you know, 24, 28 inch long horns. Boone and and Crockett level here we're talking (laughs) like ibex right so so like merciless he shakes his head he he clips you on the side of the head when he just shakes his head it hurts right so so now i've only had one little raised welt in four years and two thousand trail miles so it's not like it happens all the time but they do tear stuff up and they do beat the crap out of each other with them i mean they'll get another goat's legs hooked in their horns and I've thought so. I've never had a goat hurt a goat. I've had them limp from getting whacked, but I've never had them like break a leg or do have a major injury. But it's probably honestly only a matter of time. It'll happen one of these days. One of these days they'll, they'll break each other's leg. And some of the and that's the thing. You see some of those hits that they put on each other, and you just like, how did that goat survive that? But they, <laughs> they, they <laughs> I mean, just absolutely get. Especially the older ones to the younger ones, they will pummel them. Just complete. Oh, yeah. Broadside, right in the side. Talk about um, traveling with them, and and maybe even relative to the to the horns, and if that's a problem. But but mostly just talk about how you how you travel with them, and what the what someone could expect there. Yeah. Okay. I will. And let me just finish by saying number. No, the other two reasons are and is that goats actually cool themselves through their horns. Right. So Sorry, it does have mentioned and, and, that. Oh, yep. nah, overheating goats is an issue. They do get hot on the trail, especially early in the season when their coats, it's like you and me trying to hike with a puffy coat on. Mm-hmm. So they get hot. Having their horns is a cooling mechanism. Um, the, the other thing is, is it does help them to defend themselves. I got one goat that literally any dog that comes close, he better watch out because he's going to get the horns, mm-hmm. right? So they, they can defend themselves with their horns much easier easier than they can without. And um, then the last thing is, honestly, dehorning a goat is an extremely brutal process. It's something that you're not going to want to watch. That is no, it's, no joke. Um, yeah. And I, I had to have it done once. And, and like you said, after you do it once, um, you know, basically in this, I, I guess is educational and, and correct, correct me if you saw it done a different way, but um you know, they, they like to do it when they're young, maybe before two weeks old or whatever, but those little nubs mm-hmm. start growing and they take that goat, little baby goat that they can basically take in, in their arms and just completely demobilize and they heat up um, a dehorning tool that's got, uh, you know, it's like the size of maybe a quarter in circumference, but it's, it's hot, it's, you know, it's, it's just a ring. And so there's, and so they, they heat that thing up and they, they push it down. Um, literally down to the skull on that goat and it burns in a ring right around that base of that ring. And then, you know, the guy that I saw, he basically takes um, a pocket knife at that point and just kind of clips the rest of that middle uh, section of that ring, uh, cuts it off with a pocket knife, throws on a, a you know, a clotting powder. Um, and then, and then saw, so- well, so- solders it again with the, uh, 
the edge of that ring um, to kind of keep the bleeding down as much as possible and then throws a powder on it and then does it to the next one. Is that about the experience that you're familiar with? I, I've only seen a guy start and I just, well, yeah, yeah I just walked away. And if, if they're going to be I, your, I've never done yep. it to any of my goats, man, if they're going to be your babies and they're going to be your buddies, yeah, I would, and you have to do that. I would walk away too. Um, mm. cause man, they, when they, and they don't let them come up for air for a second, but when they do, they come out screaming. I mean, it is, it is, uh, it is just, frankly, it's brutal. Um, yeah. So, anyway. yeah and, and you're going to end up with, uh, about <laughs> a fair amount of them are going to have scurs, which are where their little, their horn didn't get burned off all the way. And they get like a little weird little fingernail that comes off and it always gets pulled off and broken and it bleeds. And yeah. it's just a, it's, it's, it's just something I, I, that I don't want. So that's, there's that. So as far as hauling goes, um, one of the advantages of goats is that they can be hauled in the back of your truck. I mean, that's a huge advantage to get to trailheads. Other people can't with a horse trailer. Um, I'm able to haul six big packers in the back of a, a long bed Ford F-150. Um, and I have a custom goat hauler that I, that I had built, um, back there that hauls both my panniers and six big packers. And I can get in any trailhead that a four-wheel drive can get into with goats that can carry out an elk and camp all, all in one load. So um, that's a huge advantage to it. I see most new people do that part wrong and misunderstanding that your goat cannot just sit in hog wire in the back and get blasted by wind down the freeway for three hours. <laughs> right they are very susceptible to being beat up in the back of the pickup fighting the invisible man and on top of it if you put a lot of wind and heat and or cold on them um the rule is just the same for horses that for every hour they spend in the trailer is like two hours on the trail so if you show up after a four-hour drive and expect them to just put on the packs and rip it up they've already been on the trail for eight hours before you got there right and if on top of it you blasted them with wind the whole time which they hate now you made it super stressful on them and i highly recommend whether you have a good hauler or not that you sleep on the trailhead and start the next morning anything for four hours i sleep on the trailhead and start the next morning um but the other thing is too they need good ventilation but they need not to be blasted and you can go to packgoats.com to find out information on that all all the things that we're talking about are on packgoats.com, the, the the site that I manage in either videos or YouTube channel or blog posts to, to answer all these questions. Perfect. Um, talk, I, I want to maybe back up or, you know, get into the uh, real quick on kind of the disease threat. Um, you know, you mm -hmm. mentioned that right off. Um, talk about the bacterias that goats are susceptible to and then how that relates to the back country with the sheep and kind of what the battles are there. Right. So, so remember, and, and again, I'm a sheep lover too, right? So don't, I don't have an agenda about one critter over another. I just have an agenda of science and of, of practicality. So, so that is my agenda. Um, if I felt like my goats were a threat to wild sheep populations, I absolutely would not own them and I would not go into the back country with them. And I absolutely know they're not because they're all tested and my goats cannot give a sheep something they don't have and they don't interact with other goats. So I know that they don't have those things. Right. What so are you testing for? I, Movi and pink eye. Okay. 
Yeah. So that that and there's a goat form of brucellosis, but it's 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 just a part of their yearly package. Um, but once again, there is no proof. The only proof of a pathogen being passed to sheep that killed them is pink eye and pink eye as you know is super visible there's no way you wouldn't know your goat had it and it is a brutal thing but where that's been passed on to wild sheep populations was one case it was in arizona and it was a guy who had you know like 1500 brush eating goats you know it was that kind of a scenario not a goat packer with four guys you know four four goats that won't leave him because they're scared yeah. so pink pink eye is actually the most legitimate proven thing that they can pass on to wild sheep but again it's so easily preventable because it's so easily diagnosed just visually you know when your goat has it right and i still have yet to know anybody in the goat packing community by the way that's 800 plus pack goats they tested that had a case of pink eye so it's it's not like it's prevalent right you know and and typically someone that's into to any sort of stock animal as deep as guys like us are going to be where we're you know we're spending so much money and so much of our time to do these things that we love and these are you know a huge catalyst to help us be successful doing them they're the guys taking it more serious than anyone you know, like mm, for it, sure, you know, we're not just, we're not the guys typically just buying goats on KSL and then trying to hike into the back country, not knowing mm-hmm. where our goats came from or whatever, or llamas. So, right. Um, well, on top, on top of it, don't forget nutritional needs and, and immunity. I mean, a goat that's well taken care of, he just doesn't get sick. I mean, I, I constantly get it because I, because I hike my goats on the trails right around Boise. That's where I condition. I go running on the trails and mountain bikers pull over and take pictures. The most common thing I get is I never realized goats could be so beautiful. Well, it's just because nobody's ever seen a healthy goat before, right? I mean, it's goat packers, top nutrition, top conditioning, top mineral, top, you know, um, making sure that they have everything that they need, including their, you know, their, their injections, uh, you know, once a year to make sure that they, you know, are healthy. So, so in terms of the, the movie, the movie is the one that they're the most scared of. That's when you hear of sheep dying of pneumonia, that is movie. Now you should know there are lots of things with biased science that mean if there is even a 0.01% risk, that's too much in the eyes of most pro sheep people, right? right. So they're going to say goats are a threat if there's 0.001% chance. That part of that is, is the study that Mr. Besser did, who is a on the salary of the Wild Sheep Foundation scientist that works mm-hmm. out of Washington State University, right? He gets paid by them. Um, it's the most radio collared animal in the world, by the way, as wild sheep and good. I'm glad there's an organization that will throw tons of money at that to make sure everything's right. And once again, these guys are starting to come around now and realize that they need to be accommodating of other human beings and what they like to do too, and to be rational about things. But Movi is the big one that they're concerned about. Now, Movi is a bacteria that exists on the mucal linings of sheep goats and and other ungulates that actually provides an environment that's that makes it easier for them to get pneumonia it's not movie that kills them it just breaks down the mucal lining so they don't function as well and provides in a bacteria rich environment for it to exist in if they get a cough it becomes a bad cough you know what i mean right 
Okay, so that's kind of what movie is. Goat movie is completely different than sheep movie. But they, if you look at every single thing that's a decision about goats, it's never goats, it's sheep. We made decisions about domesticated sheep. Oh, yeah, and by the way, goats too. Lumping They're two completely yeah. different. That's right. They're two completely different animals. In fact, the only study that Besser or anyone has ever done with the transmission of Movi to sheep was done in a closed environment. They had goats and sheep living together. Neither of them had Movi. Nobody died. Everybody coexisted for months and months and sniffed butts and sniffed noses and slept mm -hmm. together and ate out of the same food bin. Everybody was great. Then Mr. Besser gave the goats Movi. They gave them goat Movi. They then passed that on to the sheep. Everybody, including the coat, the goats, got a cough, got a sneeze, got a sniffle, and everybody started getting better. Then Mr. Besser wanted to see how the goats were or the sheep were, so he killed them. And then he studied their linings and said, yep, see ya, told ya, goats kill sheep. They have movie in their lungs. He didn't die. <laughs> they didn't die. And... To top it off, here's some supporting evidence, is that almost every mountain goat in the Rocky Mountain West has Movi, right? <laughs> so if that were true and those guys coexist, then that would also be a concern. They have goat Movi. And then the other thing is, is there are wild sheep populations that have Movi as well and exist within great parameters and have super good kid survival rates. Why? Because of the real problem that they are continuing to try to ignore, which is lack of selenium. There is a lack of selenium in the high country that is being exacerbated by lowland po um, pollution that's being rained onto the high country and it's washing the selenium out of the soil. And so as a result, all those high elevation species that rely on selenium are starting to struggle more and more. The answer was to put selenium blocks out, and it worked in the Wind Rivers for years, and they just discontinued that research. That's the answer. Uh, the answer is to get the herds healthy with, with good minerals because they're so reliant on their for their immune system. Yeah. Um, once again, in areas where there's healthy selenium levels, the sheep are rocking. The areas where it's not, they're, they're struggling. So anyway, they're looking on that front as well. But there you go. My, my solution is, okay, call me wrong, call me biased, call me whatever you want to call me. My goats still cannot give a sheep something they don't have. And so all mine are tested, and I'm willing to prove it by carrying vet papers. Um, speaking of the vet, talk about just maybe generally what it would cost or you expect it to cost you know, per goat for a year of maintenance and shots and vet bills and stuff like that if you know assuming nothing goes dramatically wrong right yeah they're pretty bomb proof they just they just need their their yearly vaccinations and then i just have kind of an annual checkup the three main things that kill goats are um um urinary calculi kill pack goats urinary calculi pneumonia and um, because they're susceptible to lung things. So, you know, even if you have really dirty bedding for them and they're soaking up a lot of urine smell and stuff, that, that can cause respiratory problems for them. Same thing in the back of the truck, that, that sort of stuff. So it's urinary calculi, pneumonia, and then parasites. So learning to kind of become a parasite expert, which is pretty easy. You collect a couple of their poo, you send them into an online thing, they tell you what they got, and then they tell you what wormer you're going to use. Right. And you, it's easier to trust them than it is your local vet, because again, vets don't know goats. Yep. They just don't. Very, they say they do. Very hard to find a, a and even uh, as far as llamas go, it's the same. Very hard to find a specialized
a vet that you know is really knows about goats or llamas right yeah agreed yeah agreed so so that's what i would say is that you can do most of your own stuff as far as cost uh for 12 i i, I think i'm generous at saying i'm spending about 50 bucks a month for 12 goats i don't think i'm probably spending that i mean it's really just vaccinations that i give it is mineral that I give and it is worming that I give. Yeah. And I have the vet out once a year just to kind of check over new guys as they come in or if I ever have problems, she helps me with them. But I've, I've learned how to diagnose most of my own stuff in a fairly short period of time. I mean, I mostly call her and say, hey, this is happening and then I take care of it. And huge advantage of goats um, over e- even llamas and horses is you you – can give them all their own shots basically you know Mm -hmm. if you're comfortable Mm -hmm. doing that and you understand what they need um they're not so big that you you don't even have to have a a shoot you know like you would for cattle or anything Mm -hmm. like that you know when we would do it we'd basically my wife and i you know one i i would usually uh you know get the goat tipped over just you know nice and easy tip it over on its side which isn't too hard to do and then you know she i mean you know my wife doesn't weigh a lot but she could hold down, you know, any goat that we had while I gave it, you know, certain shot or whatever we're doing, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, or trimming hooves. Talk, talk about that real quick. I mean, are you, um, are these goats uh, feet pretty well maintained or do they, do you have to do the, the hoof trimming like I did with mine? They're, yeah, they're not. I mean, if you keep them on trail a lot, I can get 90 days without having to trim. But if they're, you know, like during the winter when you don't have them on the trail as much and things are more muddy and they're more prone towards like, you know, getting kind of rotty hooves and stuff like that. You know, I trim, I like to trim once every 30 days. It's one of the biggest areas that, that lazy goat owners will hurt their goats is because the, the toes and the side walls grow faster than the backs and the inside walls yeah. um, because they naturally are usually towing up rocks and they're naturally using the outside of their hooves to, to, to cut a side hill cliffs. And so their hooves grow at different rates. And so if you're not keeping those regularly trimmed, then it makes them stand off center or too far back and it'll, it'll malform their foot. In fact, if you don't trim often enough, you will literally have your goat go, go lame from it. So people should plan on being able to, I, I usually trim 12 goats, uh, over a three day period and I'll do, you know, four goats at a time. And each, each little session of doing that, because I do it regularly will only take me maybe 15 minutes to do three goats. Yeah. Once it's not a huge deal, but it has to be done. Yeah. Once you watch the YouTube video and then just kind of do it once or twice, it's really not, Mm -hmm. it's a little Mm -hmm. bit time consuming, but I mean, I, and, and I, I know they make um, hoof trimming shears and maybe you even sell them on your website. Um, but I, We do, yeah. Which which I would recommend getting. I, I made a pair of garden shears work <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, mm-hmm. and I kind of figured out how to make it work. But yeah, if you, know, if you can find uh, the ones on your website, then that'll be better. But just r- relatively easy to do. You just need to be aware of it. So. Sure, sure. I mean, and I have a stanchion that I put their head in, and that's when they get – my goats look forward to having their feet trimmed because they get a little shot of grain. Mm -hmm. They love grain. They never get it because it's what gives them urinary calculi, so they get a little bit of it, and they jump up on that stand to get their hoofs trimmed just to get a little grain. So it's a pretty simple process with that. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, the the other thing that people need to go and know that they're getting into – is that a goat has to be conditioned to perform well. 
He just does. And I've I, I've taken goat conditioning. That's truly, I mean, all I am is a guy who was willing to cut some videos and whatever. I'm still learning. I'm I'm happen to be the guy kind of at the front of this, but there are period people in in the industry with far more years of it than than I am. I just I kind of push some parameters that other people didn't and proves that some things were possible that people didn't know, like you know that I run with the goats and and my goat my goat string is really fast. When I say fast, I'm fast on the trail. Most most people have to wait for their goats. They walk slow. They get out of breath. They need breaks a lot. And and that was just an accepted norm when I got in. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to see how far I can push them. So I started running with them. And you know, and my you know, and so my goats run with me on the trail. We do three and a half miles a week, and and that makes a huge difference on a goat that's that's ready and knows that it's expected of him to walk fast, which, right? Which is a which is a thing. You know, for me, it makes complete sense because I've seen them in the you know in our pasture for a couple of years now, and they. Goats are naturally competitive. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if if you're walking in and and you're all going somewhere, they want this one has to be in front, and then no, this one wants mm-hmm. to be in front. It's, you know, and and they're constantly trying to pass each other and butt heads with each other. They're so to me, it makes perfect sense that you can bring that out in them because I mm-hmm. see that they naturally have that in them. They're just they're competitive. They are very much so. Yeah, very, very much so. There's almost that sea biscuit style. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be at the front. <laughs> and then also the herd dynamic part of it, because they, they, goat, goats have like big hearts and the ones that don't show it in, instantly, you know. So so you have certain ones that want to be at the front that have lots of heart and other ones that kind of give up pretty lackluster and blah, blah, blah. But it really comes down to the other thing, which is the herd dynamic. Nobody wants to be at the back because the back one's the first one that gets plucked off by a predator right (laughs) so so i call that wolf bait and nobody wants to be wolf bait so it's a natural pecking order to make sure that you're closer to the front than you are somewhere in the middle yep (laughs) right yeah so so uh and it's heart that's always at front but they um um the the one thing about that is that people have to have their goats conditioned and if your goats are not conditioned either throughout the summer where you're patient with them where it takes months to get a goat in top condition or you never let them get out of condition like i do by just maintenancing them once once a week with a good little run or a good walk and yes they will follow you on a mountain bike yes they will actually follow you in your truck um, you know, you can do things to get them to stay in condition, um, but getting them back into condition, because I've literally tracked and documented it, literally takes two to three months of at least once a week exercise to get them into condition. So if you're just hoping to get started in September, they are not going to get in shape till December. You're gonna the season's gonna be over and they're gonna be in shape. And 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 a goat that's out of shape compared to a goat that's in shape is just a world of difference. I mean, yeah. it's a world of difference. And you know, probably I'll I'll probably be wrong here, but I I think as far as re- relating that to horses, um, you know, horses are probably a little less uh, maintenance that way. You know, typically, mm-hmm. I I think if you pull the horse off the summer pasture and gave him a solid even a solid month, you know, if you were consistently riding a horse every couple of days for a, for a month, um, he would basically be ready to roll. Um, you know, and he, he, even maybe less than that. Um, but yeah, the goats are probably a little bit more sensitive to getting out of shape. So, 
Well, I think it's a I think it's a percentage thing, right? I mean, it's just like how I talk about when people put kid packs on and they're only putting 10 pounds on and they think having seven pounds on one side versus 11 pounds on the other side. Well, it's only a couple pounds off. Well, that's 30 percent off. Right. So when you start talking percentages of lower amounts like you do on a goat versus a horse, when a horse can carry 200 plus and a goat's heaving when he's doing 50, now it's percentages. Right. And a goat that will only carry 20 or 30 pounds, honestly, ain't worth the hassle. Yeah. He needs to carry more weight to make him worth it. So that's that's where I say I just really caution people. Just know it's going to be more expensive, it's going to take more time, and it's going to be more equipment laden than you think it is by about two to three times. So get ready. If you're not ready to kind of go all in, don't go. Right. Are you yeah, only... It becomes you, a lifestyle. Yeah, it does. Are you only packing with weathers, meaning uh, castrated males? I, I am, but I packed a, a doe that I milked in the backcountry for three years. <laughs> Um, which I loved. I mean, you know, my, my goat gave a gallon and a half of milk a day. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's a lot of nutrition in the back country that she just literally made for me every day. Right. And it's, and it's good for you. It's high fat, it's high protein. She's, she's, she's taken off a natural herbs and plants. I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting all kinds of good stuff. So I loved, but, but I, I, I put packs on her, but she would only pack like goat supplies, like the vet kit and, you know, sometimes, you know, like extra leashes or, or whatever. I never really used her as a pack animal. I just took her back in there because she made milk and goats are matriarchal. So having a doe in the string is actually pretty nice when they're grazing. Now that I don't have my doe, my 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 weather's kind of looked to me to say okay guys it's time to eat you never have to worry about it with the doe because she eats three times as much as the weather and she'll have them out there grazing right. where a weather will kind of sit around and get skinny without a doe around interesting are you boiling yeah. are you boiling that milk on the mountain before you no man i drink it right I, it's a, so here's the interesting part about goat milk it has bactos or lactobacillica in it which is a bacteria eating bacteria so i have literally stored goat milk in a jar at room temperature for over a year and still ate it it becomes like a yogurt wow so it is a you could actually store things in goat milk and preserve it much like you can honey I don't yeah, know. So it's, I don't know if I'm cool. on that level yet, <laughs> but yeah, no, we, my whole family, we do, we drank the gallon and a half a day. I just milk it right into the bucket, run it through a sieve to take the hair out of it and anything that might've fallen off the udder. And that went right into the fridge. And as soon as it was cool, we were glugging it. So yeah, it was delicious. That's awesome. <laughs> um, talk about, so I know that this was one key for us that we, you know, and maybe we misunderstood at the time, but talk about um, the weather susceptibility to weather and kind of the sensitivity that goat has compared to maybe a llama or a horse dealing with colder temperatures and wet temperatures because they don't have that, that wool that a, like a llama, for example, has. Mm-hmm. So they, they are susceptible, but in all sincerity, I think that is more a new sport problem and a loving ownership problem. Okay? What, what so do you mean? 
what I mean by that is I think that the pack goat community has been misinformed because they love their animals so much they put coats on them a lot like people will put on their dog. Gotcha. Okay. So that they, we believe that they're more fragile than they actually are. Now, does a goat need uh, a, a form of shelter? Does he do better when he has a form of shelter? Yes. Does does is he less susceptible to getting sick if 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 he has a coat on it? Absolutely. Does he have to have it? Well, I just saw a picture just the other day of a guy who took a picture of a goat. It's a female that lives in his area that's just fended for herself all winter in Wyoming with no shelter or anything and lives with an antelope herd and it got to as low as 21 degrees below zero this year in wyoming blowing snow and everything and she survived the winter you know what, so breed, they're hard. You know what breed she is just curious she's black so which man i don't even i think she's an alpine is what she is hmm. yeah and and i think that was unusual i think she's obviously got good mineral content she's taking care of her diet well she's savvy she she knows how to take care of herself i don't think that's every pasture potato that can do that so do i still carry coats with my goats i do uh do i only use it as a last resource when i know i want them to keep their energy up by not having to sit there and shiver all night i do because i don't want them to be sissies yeah are you packing those now all any any hunt, let's say you're doing, you know, early August hunt in Nevada or something, would you still pack the, the, uh, the blankets in the or coats? No? Yeah, the coats. I, I, yeah. So, so I always take at least one major tarp because I can put up one 16 by 16 tarp that weighs three pounds and all the goats will huddle underneath it if we get multi days of rain. Right. right. And they, they hate rain. So it's torture on them. So I just bring that because I can survive. I can sacrifice three pounds easily because I have pack animals. Right. The, the other thing I always bring is everybody's got a coat and everybody carries their own coat. And that's why I designed my own coats because they only weigh a pound and they fold up to the size of about a, I don't know, a big taco. Right? What, so, what do you have? What are you using for material on that? Is it a synthetic? It is. Yeah. It's just a, a double layered, really heavy duty ripstop. So it's just a shell. We call it the goat shell. I so see. instead of it, you don't, they, they actually have the ability to insulate themselves incredibly well. They don't need the insulation. What they need is they need the wind barrier and they need the moisture barrier. So, so that's, that just lays loosely over the top of their coat. And that also allows me to almost never tarp them when I'm in the backcountry. I almost never do. I just tie to a, a, a blown down log or, or, you know, low limbs or whatever. And everybody just sleeps on the ground and I coat them. So that way I don't have to worry about stringing up a tarp or doing any of that, that other crap. I yeah. just put a coat on everybody, which takes me super fast. And our, our goat shells double as a pannier cover as well. So it's pretty cool. It actually has cool dual purpose. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that was, to be honest, and it's, it does sound like we misunderstood a little bit. Um, but we just didn't know the, the alternatives, like you're saying, um, you know, but when we when we started looking into it, oh, goats are super susceptible to cold weather. If it's raining or if it's freezing cold, you have to bring them a shelter. We didn't really want to deal with, you know, having a, kind of a, a big tarp, like you're saying, blowing crazy. And I mean, you know how crazy mm-hmm. the, the wind can get up there. I don't know if you've had problems with that, but, um, so, you know, and. And, and honestly, which, you know, doesn't even make a ton of sense because for us, I mean, most of our hunts are over by the end of September. 
And so, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that maybe, you know, something that we need to readdress and, um, you know, cause it, it sounds like those warmer weather hunts, especially you're not, you know, taking any, any, uh, measures that are too dramatic. No. So I, I used both base camp model. That's the other thing that everybody listening needs to hear. You cannot leave your goats in camp alone. Mm. Not an option. Talk about Just that. Not. Talk. This is the other yeah. thing. This is the other, right. these are the two keys that we're like, Oh man, I don't know. Talk about hunting with goats you're going out you stock a mule there how does that look with goats um so i do it with them you know and i'm a bow hunter <laughs> um and uh and, and or you know rarely do people hunt alone right, right, right. so you, you know you leave your spotter back he's got the goats and you're sneaking in right um and and i'm very cautious about what i say publicly in terms of how goats relax animals because um i don't ever want people to get goats as a decoy right that is the wrong reason to get a goat but goats i i've shot many animals at bow range with six goats standing around me lots lots and and that makes more sense to me than any of it um a goat to a, a mule deer in the high country especially if there's you know sheep or mountain goats even or whatever even though the color's a little bit different it's just another friend of the forest or whatever you want to call it. You know, that's, that's Mm -hmm. probably the most calming thing that you could be, you know, better than your camouflage or your scent control and all that crap. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't really work anyway, half the time. So. Right. Right. So, so yes, I, I, I hunt with them. I calling bulls, to be honest with you now, I feel handicapped not having them with me. I just do. They, as soon as I set up and start calling, they start raking, they start wandering around and eating. They, 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 you know, I mean, I've had a bull as close as five yards from another goat, you know, and they're both raking on the same tree. I mean, you know, they, they come in and they come in and they get nervous and they're like, Whoa, what's that? Okay. Well, yeah. Four legs. Okay. I see some horns. Those, those eyes look right. Okay. 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 Cool. Where's, where's that chick that was making all that noise. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I've, you know, so, so I'm careful about that because once again, I don't want people to think that they are my secret weapon because they're not. The only reason I, I, the the negative of having goats with you elk hunting is that you constantly have something. I'm that guy that rips off a bugle. And if the dude hunting with me is shuffling his feet around, I want to choke him. Uh Right. I'm like, I can't can't hear right i want i want to i want to hear a bull don't make noise right now you got six dudes around you shuffling their feet and chewing and <laughs> horning each other and all that stuff it just is a pain in the butt so literally we separate somebody will go over here 40 yards and i'll call from over here and the goats will stand with one or the other and then you have somebody listening free of any background noise right but you're still moving through the woods with all these dudes moving too and you know how often you're moving through slipping through the woods being nice and quiet and all of a sudden and you're like there's one right you miss those so that's that's a consequence there are some consequences to hunting with them and there's advantages and that's why i call them a neutral Hmm. they they give as much as they get right so um I call them a neutral as far as that goes. Now, if anybody says, yeah, but you can leave them a camp, you can. But here's what's eventually going to happen. A bear or a wolf is going to come into that camp. They're going to chase those goats off and or kill them. And if they chase them off, now we all got a problem. 
Right. And that problem is that there's a goat out there that you couldn't find that's now hanging out with some some wild sheep. And all of a sudden, we're all not going to be able to take back goats into the backcountry. Goats the, go feral super easy. Right. Kind of that resp- so, responsibility of, you know, being a steward of is. something that's so new and so, uh, you know, sensitive at the at right now. Yep. A- absolutely. And I can't. The other thing is, is how we take care of camps. You cannot go into the white clouds and camp in a main fifth and main camp with six goats pooping and peeing in the same place for five days, digging out bed holes, and then expect to just leave all that stuff, walk away, and then have the next person show up and go, wow, well, who was here? Right. Right. You, we have to be great stewards of the sport above and beyond. We are in the public eye. We want to have zero, you know, zero impact camping. We don't want to leave a trace. We want to camp in the off spots if that's what it takes to, to be kind to other people. Everybody wants to stop you on the trail because they're intrigued by your goats. Be kind and talk to them. Don't blow them off. Don't move them through. Don't yell at their dog. Don't tell them that da-da-da-da-da. If, if stock is coming through, get off the trail. Your goats are easier to get off the trail than horses anyway. Horses get really freaked out by goats. Just remember, you always want to go on the downhill side. So if they do spook, the horses are spooking uphill rather than downhill. And get off the trail because you need to make room for people. I think we have to be the best. We, have, we need to be better than everybody else, and it is not an option to leave your goats in camp. It's irresponsible to the goats, and it's irresponsible to the sport. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Man, Mark, I I think we just nailed it. I think uh, I think that's as deep as anyone, you know, that's either in, into goats and wants to get more into them or is thinking about getting into goats or maybe wants to get into llamas and it's comparing them to goats or, or just the person – who wants to listen to good stories about goats. I think that's, uh, I mean, is there anything else that we're leaving out? Um, key talking points Um, on these goats? Yeah, I think, I think what's super important is that people really get a start in a progression. First off, arm yourself with the information of what you're considering getting into. Right. And the best place to do that is to start watching my presentations on YouTube. And that's just it's a YouTube channel called packoats.com and to read the FAQ, the frequently asked questions. It's right there on packoats.com. Right. Once you read through that and you read and you listen to some of the presentations, this podcast, you're going to be kind of armed with. All right, cool. I, I can hang with that. I'm, I'm willing to do that. Okay, so now you're going to spend a fair amount of time, money, and energy over the next several years getting ready to do this because you're going to buy babies. And don't forget, you're not really going to be using these guys for a couple years from now. So you need to be that person that has that delayed gratification capability that's going to do it right. I highly suggest you get goats from Dwight. I don't get paid to say that. I'm just telling you, I've seen a ton of goats out there. There's a ton of mediocre goats, and there are very few awesome goats, and he's got them all. He kids up about a hundred goats a year and you got to get on his list because he, 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 he sells out. Um, and you can find his stuff on my site. The other thing is, is the gear out there again, it hasn't involved. So I took that part on, you know, we make saddles, we make panniers, we make lead ropes, we make leashes, we make, you know, we make everything that you're going to need because I just wanted stuff that was ready to do it hardcore. And most of the stuff is, people packing in a lunch up into the high country once or twice a year. I, I needed stuff that I'm doing 500 trail miles a year. Last year I did 129 miles just in September and I hauled out five bulls. 
So how many, know, I mean, so how many goats, uh, how many of your, you know, say an, an average size 200 pound goat, how many goats are you taking for a one bull elk? Um, well, five of my goats can carry a big bull. Okay. And that's, so, that's, and, and, that's and de deboning, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I bone out. And there's a video online to show you how to bone out for a goat um, where I, I show you how I bone out and put in the panniers and all that stuff. I break all that stuff down between the YouTube channel and patgoats.com. But yeah, I like six. Six is a magic number of goats where between me and the goats, because I, I if I have to, I can put 100 pounds on my back. I train really hard. And between me and the goats, I can get a bull and camp out wherever I am. We killed three bulls this year, nine and a half miles back in. So we hauled out 1,000 pounds in two loads. Nice. Yeah. So And that was three dudes putting a bunch of weight on their back, too, though, because by that time, you know, I had some sore goats that were, you know, having a hard time and stuff like that. But anyway, so... So that's what I would say is just arm yourself with information. Once you get good information, get the right goats, get the right gear, start off right. Um, little things that aren't instinctual, like, for example, you know, you might swat your, your dog's nose when he does something wrong. You can't do that with a goat. You, you have to use literally a squirt bottle or you use, you know, noise. There's, they're very easy to train, but there are certain rules that are nonsensical in this that somebody's going to have to teach you, and all that's available on packgoats.com. And come to the Rindy this year, where all of us pack goaters get together. It's at Island Park in Idaho this year. There's information on, you know, packgoats.com about it. You can see the goats. You can meet the other people, the people that will show you. You can lay your hands on the gear, that kind of stuff. Perfect. Do you yeah. know so of anyone that's, that's uh, you know, and surprisingly, there might be more renters of llamas than pack goats. Do you know of anyone commercially renting goats in the Western U U.S.? I do. There's there's one worth, guy worth mentioning. For, <laughs> yeah, there's there's one guy that's high you into pack goats. If you if you just Google pack goats, he'll he'll be the first hit. His name's Clay. He's one of the great guys that has been in the business over 20 years. Super nice guy. He rents them. He's usually pretty booked up. So if you actually want them, and he'll only allow you to use it within 100 miles of his home, which is I believe near Evanston. 100 so, 100 miles, he said. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what he does. He doesn't want you more than a couple hours away from his house because, again, those trailer miles are hard on goats. But yeah. he rents them. They're not cheap. Um, I was surprised how much it costs. Um, and then there's another guy in Idaho here that's making a stab at it that, that owns like a Goat Pro Idaho, um, that sort of thing. So, yes, that, that does exist. It is around. Um, I get asked to do it all the time and I just love my dudes too much to just put them in a rookie's hands and say, okay, hope everything goes right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yep. well, I, so it just scares me. I love ha them. Having rented llamas now for two years, I completely understand. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Well, perfect. Let me, um, you know, and again, feel free to, to contact us. Um, you can get to you on patgos.com. And then if, if anyone has questions that you want me to pass on to Mark, uh, finding backcountry at gmail.com. You can obviously ask anything there. Um, let me run you through the fire round of questions real quick, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, and I'll just jump right into these. Are you, uh, you're a bow hunter, I assume. I am Okay. Uh -huh. mechanical or fixed blade. Uh, I shoot mechanical in States I can, but Idaho is a fixed blade state. So that's where I kind of root and rooted. Gotcha. So if you had the option, though, you'd be running mechanical. I would, yeah. yeah. 
Um, elk, mule deer, or antelope? Favorite species? Yeah. Elk. Elk. Tough, well, though. I love big muleys. <laughs> Idaho. Elk are pretty Yeah, Idaho place. seems to be just a... Uh, man, if you're Idaho and not, not hooked on elk hunting, I think that's... Um, what is your dream hunt? Mm, I still want to chase big muleys in Mexico. I haven't done that one. <laughs> so those big dark chocolate horn typical mm. four by fours. Yeah. yeah, just monsters. I've killed four over 200, but I've never killed those giant 40 inch wide craziness yeah. things. I'd love to just go down there and get lucky one year and shoot an absolute pig. Nice. What's your uh, favorite backcountry food item? Specifically with the pack goats too, because I know that changes what you can take as far as food goes. Yeah, we're eating steak and eggs back there. You know, that's one of the <laughs> blessings. You know, we my my wife makes a backcountry pizza that would kill you. It's incredible. Um, so honestly, the food that I covet the most when I'm in the backcountry is chocolate covered almonds and butterfingers. Mm. <laughs> I know that sounds dumb, but I 